Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's 6 a.m. and the dogs have the studio here at 77 WABC. Our number is 800-848-WABC or 9222 in case you have trouble reading those little numbers on the pad. I'm here. I'm Alex Alexanian with live with Brenda Bush. Good morning, New York and surrounding area. It's not that I forgot your name. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I just waited. This for is going to be a contentious enough show. You don't need that on your head, too. <laughs> and and today's topic is crazy dog ladies. Who are they? Do they do any good? Do you know one? Are you one yourself? Give us a call eight hundred eight four eight WABC. We have two terrific guests. Uh, we'll try to put you on with our guests. Uh, we actually have a certifiable, certified, officially certified. I want you to know. Self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed, but certified by me anyway. Yeah, you um, certify a lot. Crazy dog lady on the phone, mm-hmm. and then we have the psychiatrist to tell us how crazy she really is. How about that? He's not a psychiatrist. <laughs> uh, but before we get on to that subject, let's talk about the walkathon. It is seven days from today. I can't believe it. It just where does the time go? It's gone. It's gone. Next it's- Sunday, May fifteenth, at FDR Park in Yorktown Heights, New York. If you haven't already registered you need to do it if you care about this cause you care about the animals you need to be there and show your support for this organization and uh, we got all kinds of things going on we have live band we have uh, free coffee and food donated by coffee labs and panera bread Our sponsors yes and we have um, lots of vendors we have an agility demo from port chester obedience training club that's going to be a lot of fun to watch oh yeah we have a live band great band that's coming mm-hmm. and five star uh, review let's get their name out there five star review is going to mm-hmm. be on i think they were on the show a couple of weeks ago and um, our main sponsor katona bedford veterinary center is going to be there they're going to have a booth uh, some of the doctors are going to be there to we talk have lots about- of vendor booths Selling stuff, giving out information, talking to people. Uh, it's just going to be a f- it's just going to be a fun day. And here's the latest news on it. Okay, the latest news is that WABC has asked asked us to do a live broadcast from there yeah. tomorrow's. I mean, next week's show. Next week's show. The plan is right now to have the main uh, WABC remote truck out there, and we're going to be broadcasting live at six a.m. in the morning well, from the event. From right. the location of the event. From the location of the event. Right. The, event the event doesn't event start, start until t- 10 o'clock, but right. there'll be lots of activity there even at 6 a.m. So. Well, our guests are going to be there, and uh, I think the station manager for WABC is going to be there with us, joining mm-hmm. us live. Uh, so come on out there. See us uh, See us talk on the, you know, join us on the on the microphones. If you want to do that, uh, and bring all your you dog. need to do, bring your dog. All you need to do is go and bring register. Bring the family, bring the dog, register at walk.dogsindanger.com, or you can call here at the radio station. If you don't have access to a computer, you can call here, 800-848-WABC, and they'll give you all the specifics over the phone if you need to do that. And I also want to add that we have a great silent auction lined up with some really, really cool stuff. Yankee tickets, Mets tickets. We got some good There's stuff. There's good stuff, good value. It's a good cause. All goes to a good cause. And it's, uh, it's fun. So let's put on somebody that's, that's been a good friend of uh, ours, uh, DJ Dino Mac, who's going to be there next uh, Sunday with us. Along with the live band, we have DJ Dino Mac, and he's going to bring his amplified power. He's right now with us. DJ, you with us? I am with you. Hey, good morning. Well, I hear it's been a long night for you. Uh, very much so. I uh, just, uh, am on my way back to my offices from doing an overnight cancer fundraiser uh, in Montrose. Wow, an overnight. Now, how does that work again? Um, well, first I did a gig 5 to 9 down in New City, uh, the regular job, and then I uh, came on up to the Hendrick Hudson High School where they were hosting the Stay Awake Thon, the 2011 Stay Awake which is the, I believe, third Stay Awake Thon that I've DJed. Um, at which point, uh, from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., I donated my services to provide uh, the dance party for the Stay Awake Upon. Wow, Stay, stay Awake Upon. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> you know what? We do that every Sunday, so there's <laughs> no skin off our back. <laughs> but that, that's really great that you're, you know, you're giving your services to help charitable causes, not just dogs in danger. Oh, definitely. Uh, but Dogs in Danger, uh, like I told Alex, was definitely my biggest inspiration. Some of the networking I did there was absolutely priceless. And, uh, you know, who can refuse free Panera? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember last uh, last uh, year when you got this huge bag of, of bagels that I gave you? That Remember that? I walked oh, up my, to you and said, my... please take this bag of bagels. And there was like 50 bagels in there. <laughs> My uh, my staff was very happy about that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Panera. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was enough to feed them and their families. <laughs> now you gotta admit, does anybody make a better bagel than Panera? 
Ah, uh, no, I don't think I can. Uh... I, I'm a big fan of the Asiago. Yeah. I, I'm known to have about 10 of them in my freezer at any time. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. They're really, they're really awesome good. bagels. I mean, who thought of yeah, Asiago bagels. bagels? They're really good bagels. Jeez, you know, who th- you know, I mean, I remember, you know, poppy seed and, you know, everything. But Sesame Asiago seed, bagels? Yeah. Oh, my God. They put a just, twist on the bagels. They're really good. They're almost sinful, I, I call really them. They're really good. I definitely am going to have to get in on those uh, upcoming events. Yeah, it's time to lose a little weight and get ready for next Sunday, right? You got any special? <laughs> you got any special selections for us for next week? Um, well, I definitely like to keep things moving there, and I like to uh, keep the selection appealing to the entire crowd. And uh, just like we've been looking forward to, it's going to be a bigger crowd than ever. And, uh, and you know, it's my job to keep everybody in a good mood, everybody moving. And uh, I definitely look to uh, look forward to. Uh, using my skills to, uh, and you did it. You did a great job last year. We're really looking forward to it again this year. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So listen, DJ, thanks for calling in on us. Thanks for the good goodwill that you're bringing to the show and what you did with the cancer fund yesterday. Uh, well, I guess today, whatever it is now, whatever day, <laughs> yesterday and today, <laughs> the unsleepathon. Anyway, and, and Dino, uh, what's your what's your website? So listeners out there know. Uh, my website is dinomacentertainment.com. Dinomacentertainment.com. Great awesome, DJ, awesome great DJ, heart, good guy, great, great dude. DJ, yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks Looking for, forward to it next week, Thanks for man. talking to us. We'll see you bright and early next week. Anytime. I'll see you there. We'll see you then. And with that, we're going to be back with our official crazy lady of the day in a minute. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face-to-face with a painful reality. More than 45,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please... Open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit dogsindanger.com and click donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now before they run out of time. Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are waiting for new families and animal shelters near you. Every year, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit, while every day healthy shelter dogs lose their lives only because there aren't enough homes for them. When you adopt instead of purchasing a pet, you're saving a life and helping to end the cruel practice of puppy mills. Learn more and take the pledge to adopt your next pet at bestfriends.org. Together, we can bring about a time of no more homeless pets. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Hey, we're back on the air and the subject of the day, crazy dog ladies. Who are they? Do they do any good? And we have one live with us, not in the studio, but on the phone. Her name is Dr. Tara Lewis. Harris. Um, it's Harris. I'm sorry. It's a Dr. Tara Harris. She's the executive director of Every Dog Counts Rescue. She proudly considers herself a crazy dog lady. She has six dogs of her own, three puggles, two pit bulls, one nutty foxhound who's on Prozac, and currently nine foster dogs. Oh, yeah. By the way, Dr. Harris is a full-time pediatrician at a children's hospital. Good morning, Dr. Harris. Are you with us? I am. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Thank you uh, for waking up early in the morning. So how many dogs and cats do you have currently in your home right now? (laughs) I think our current count is 17 dogs, one cat. Oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) That blows me right out of the water. See, now Now, now that puts a whole new definition because I, I, of course, I'm the proverbial crazy dog lady, too, among my friends. And so... uh, yeah. Well, yeah. 17 dogs puts you into amateur leagues, Brenda Bush, honestly. I would be you know? happy with two or three. If we, if we had right. a, just a small pack and there weren't the overpopulation problem there was around us, I would be happy with just a couple. But as long as our shelters are as overflowing as they are, we'll, I'll be a crazy dog lady. And so you become helpful. an overflow shelter, basically. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So um, a lot of Dr. our dogs are moving. They're right. only here for um, about a week until they move on to other rescues. Right. So, Dr. Harris, tell us your family makeup. Married, kids, blah, blah. I'm married. 
um, as long as he can deal with my dogs. Um, we don't have any human children, just our furry ones. Okay. So you're married with no kids. So how does your husband feel about 17 dogs and one cat? <laughs> um, he loves our dogs. He loves dogs, too. He kind of um, feels the same way. It is stressful. Um, there's a lot of challenges, obviously, with running a rescue out of our home. Um, but he sees the value in what we're doing, too, and um, supports the mission of Every Dog Counts. So so he supports it. Helps he supports me with it. The dogs. Nobody's yeah. talking divorce. No, no, no. And nobody's talking divorce from the dogs either. No. Okay. How many not. dogs do you have of your own? I mean, if, if the rescue part just disappears. Foster dogs. Are, are, six, yeah. of, six of the dogs are my own. Permanent. Mm-hmm. Permanent yes. family. Yes. Wow. Okay. And the cat? And the cat is ours, yes. Our little ninja cat, yeah. <laughs> so six plus one is yours. Yep. He oh. must be one brave cat. He is. <laughs> and he is um, very brave. We often um, need to cat test the dogs for adopters or for other rescues they need to know. So he has a lot of dogs stare at him and decide if they're going to try to chase him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he is a, he's a brave little guy. He helps us. <laughs> wow. So let me ask you the key question here. I mean, you mentioned it, I think, um, in your opening. Um, what made you go past? We consider the critical um, sort of the the Rubicon, which you cross over into Crazy Dog Lady Land slowly. It's not in one giant step, but definitely we think there's a Rubicon at two animals. Well, well, okay? let, don't let's use the word we lightly. You think there's yeah, a two. I think. Yeah. Okay. okay, okay. So anything above two, by my standards, okay, the Alexandrian standards, you're sort of starting to inch toward the Crazy Dog Lady area. What made you go past the two? Um, we started fostering, and we started failing at fostering. It all starts there. No, uh-huh. no, let's, let, let's hear the story. Tell people what you mean by fostering and then failing, failing. at fostering. Tell us the story. <laughs> so we had two um, puggles and decided to foster. So we fostered a sick foxhound from a nearby shelter. And when we brought him home, he was very sick. Um, just kind of slept most of the time. And as he got better, he, he's the one that I call our nutty foxhound. He's got some behavioral issues that a lot of people um, would would really struggle to deal with, I think. Um, he would chase his tail for hours on end. One night it was four hours straight chasing his tail barking. Um, so we realized that he was not going to do well back in the shelter environment, even though he'd gotten over his pneumonia um, so he, we continued to work with him. We invested a lot of time working with him on his behavior, and, and we decided that we needed to keep him forever. Um, so he, he became a permanent family member, and just within a couple of months on my way to work, um, saw this black pit bull in the middle of the street, and I stopped and said, come here, buddy, and he ran to me and shoved his head against my leg, and so I brought him home, and we intended to adopt him out. We even posted him on Pet Finder. Uh, but then when I was contacted um, from by the, one of the nearby prisons about whether or not he would be a good drug-sniffing dog, the idea of my new baby in the prison just freaked me out. So I realized <laughs> I couldn't let him go either. Um, so Buddha became our next foster failure. And then the so by last... failing, you mean that you keep the dog and adopt yes. them, and they yes. become your family. Right. right. I failed as a foster because I adopted them myself, right. yes. Which is yeah. always a, a bittersweet thing, right? Because... It is, right. It's the only, only time that it's a happy failure. Right. So, so, you, failures. so you started at two, yes. and then you ended up at six plus, plus a cat because um, you were trying to do fosters, and the fosters were failures, either because you didn't think an appropriate home could be found or because the dog had uh, behavioral problems and you, you assumed that if that went back to the shelter, the dog was going to come out the back door of the shelter. Um, so you ended up keeping him. And, and incrementally, you inched your way towards six permanent dogs and one cat, and then you have an additional 11 dogs that are uh, sort of around Robin. That's right. Some of the um, some of the foster dogs have been here for a long time. Um, we've got some that have been here, I think the longest right now is since the last September, so some of them are longer-term mm-hmm. fosters. That and a lot of the dogs you take for. in have medical issues, right? I read that, too. Yes. Yeah, which, which makes them sometimes more challenging to find homes for. Right. We've got two right now that were hit by cars and have fractured pelvises, so they'll be with us for at least a couple of months while they heal. Right. Um, we make sure dogs are healthy before we send them on, whether, to its, whether it's uh, to adoptive homes or to other rescues. 
Um, so, so it's really amazing. I mean, I know the personal sacrifice and time that it takes. It's really amazing that you're able to do this in addition to being a full-time pediatrician at Children's Hospital. <laughs> it's a little bit crazy. There's not a whole lot of sleep going on sometimes. Yeah. But there so now, so um, Tara, are you not going to be inching your way up from the sixth number now? I mean, you have a dog that you've already been with you since September. He's kind of looking like a good candidate for a switchover to permanent <laughs> dog, to me anyway. No, we're not. Um, what are you going to do? We, she's still available for adoption. Um, the only dogs that I could see us adding to our family now would be dogs that have no other options. Right. Um, our last addition was a pit bull who's a little grumpy with some people, and she's got horrible skin allergies on really expensive food, and she's one that I adore her and knew there's no line of people mm-hmm. waiting to adopt a middle-aged grumpy pit bull with bad skin. Right. So um, only dogs like that would be. Well, and Alex but, and but I, that's going to happen. And are you prepared to go above the six number if that, you know, when and if that happens? Well, I I don't believe in euthanizing dogs for treatable medical conditions. So if if a dog ended up staying with me forever because they had no other options, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and you we are. have this okay. discussion, and we have this discussion all the time at home because Alex is just fascinated with the psychology of how do you get there. And for most people that I know, and I know a lot of people <laughs> who are who who are in similar situations. Although I will say, you probably have the most in your home of ever anyone I know. Um, that it's an incremental process, and many people get there because they they start with the desire to do good, and then they fail at fostering. And so at some point, they they create a personal limit, and they say, this is it. Once I have this number of personal dogs, but of course, you could always get a return uh, from one that's been adopted out or get one that you just can't place, and before you know it, you've grown Mm -hmm, and grown mm -hmm. and grown, and then you're at 17 dogs. But but Tara, you said something very interesting in our our preliminary interview. Um, You said that you were proud crazy dog lady <laughs> why are you so proud um i think because i'm proud of the work that we're doing uh, our little group is a pretty small group of volunteers and we've our last tally i think we had saved over 700 dogs in the last i think it's eight months now um so yeah. we're we're helping a lot of dogs um Every week we send out lists of the dogs who are going to die at the shelters near us and rescues that we work with all the time in Minnesota and New York tell us who they can take. And it's really rewarding. We go pick those dogs up, we get them spayed or neutered, get them all their shots, make sure that they're healthy uh, for the trip, and then they leave the next weekend. Um, so we see a lot of turnover with those dogs, and I think that's part of why I can do 17, because the long-termers, we've got about 10 long-termers, um, including our own pack. And then the other dogs, you know, they come in, we, we go through this vetting process, we send them out. A lot of them get adopted as, almost as soon as they right. arrive. Um, but I guess the law of odds says that at some point you get those more difficult-to-place yeah, dogs. Ab- yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. When we pull on behalf of other rescues, those um, those dogs are their commitments. So even right. if they have separation anxiety or if they have something like that that's going to make them hard to place, they do still take them. Right. Um, we're really picky about the other groups we work with and make sure that they make the same commitment to the dogs that we do. Right. Um, but, but, but Tara, with over 4 million dogs and cats are still being kel- killed in U.S. shelters. How is your 700 dogs making, and your sacrifice, not just the 700 dogs, but your personal sacrifice, you and your husband's, making any difference when the astronomical numbers like 4 million are there? Um, Well, I think it makes a big difference for each of those dogs. And I've seen a big difference, too, in the shelter staff that we work with. Uh, There's one particular shelter where they were gassing all of the dogs, and they were gassing dogs every week, which is a horrible way for dogs to die. It's not legal in most states. It takes more than an hour for some of them to die. And as you can imagine, people that work there were just depressed, and they were hopeless about the dogs. And we started coming in and taking all the dogs that they had that were on their gas list. And we've seen a dramatic change, and their volunteers started getting excited about what they were doing and that these dogs had a chance. And they started doing a lot of different um, projects and weekend activities to help the dogs that are there. And they're actually getting rid of their gas gas chamber now. And they're going to, um, when they have to, use a, a humane way to euthanize dogs. Um, so I think just showing people that there is hope that we can help some of the dogs, I think it helps the humans involved too. Well, and, and making every effort to save the animals is something we would hope the shelters would be doing anyway. But sometimes it takes someone like you to show them that they can do that. 
Yeah, and somebody who can move them. Um, the right. dogs, like at that shelter, even adorable puppies that would get snapped up in areas of the country with less overpopulation, they were euthanizing because people just don't go into the rural shelters and right. adopt. Right, and well, and that's one of the benefits that Dogs in Danger brought to the rural areas because it gave them an, a method of advertising that was free. Absolutely. And so people from three states away, I mean, we have people who write to us, I drove 12 hours through the night to rescue Scrappy, you know. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, and, and it really does make a difference in the rural shelters that just don't get the visibility. But, yeah. but Dr. Harris, let me ask you this, this question. It's, a, it's more of a philosophical question, though, you know. Um, wouldn't it be more effective, in your opinion, if intelligent people like you, and, and you clearly are a highly intelligent, uh, functioning member of society, if you gave up the 17, 18 cats and dogs and instead put all of your brains, which are, which are substantial, and money and energy into joining or forming groups that will cause systemic change rather than affect the one dog or the one shelter that you guys clearly have had an effect on that. That one dog that you saved, that dog is alive, and uh, clearly that dog is, is thankful to you, whether he knows it or she knows it or not. However, from a systemic perspective, do you not think that your energies and your money and your brains would be more useful in the big picture if it was instead of put towards that one dog, was put toward the solution, the bigger solution? Um, I definitely do, and I think that there's a role for us um, in advocacy overall. I, I will freely admit some of this is just what I enjoy myself. I enjoy being hands-on, taking care of them. Um, I love to see the dogs with mange that come in crazy or, you know, come in all crusty and uh, they're painful and that we can make them feel better and see how beautiful they are when they're done. I really enjoy the hands-on, one-on-one with the dogs. Um, so I'll never give up that part. We are trying, as my little group expands, we're trying to um, delegate more. And, and the dogs used to all be here, and now we do have other foster homes. And um, so that's that's good. Um, but I, I plan to always have foster dogs here. I really enjoy caring for them. And um, you and your husband, as you went into this thing, did you guys have any sort of a parting of the ways in your philosophy in terms of how many dogs or should we be doing this to this level or you're taking too much of your time it's taking away from our did you guys have or money have, it's very expensive yeah, or the money how much money is taking from the, the the common coffers and did you i mean did, did you have to cross these lines between you and your husband since there are no kids obviously um, we've, it certainly caused stress and it's caused some discussions about our maximum numbers and we try to keep the number, um, lower than where it is now. Um, and definitely try to keep our number of long-term fosters down. Um, with the short-term fosters, I think we both feel, um, a little bit helpless about it that, you know, if a group tells me I can save that dog, if you can hold them for me for one week. That's hard. That's impossible for me to say no to, even if it means we have 17. You know, if I can't find another foster to take the dog, I'm not going to let them die today just because they have no house to stay in for one week. Um, so I and he understands that, and uh, he's incredibly supportive. And as far as the care for the dogs, um, no, it's never been a complaint. I used to have a. a purse addiction and now I don't buy nice purses anymore. I uh, It's funny how our priorities our priorities change, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I wouldn't change that at all. So that's what makes you proud. You think that you're doing the right thing, correct? I do. Yeah. And when you wake up in the morning, you feel you're more of a decent person that you're a higher standing member of society than you were prior to your embarking on this path. Yeah, I feel like I'm making more of a difference. And, and that is enough for you to sacrifice your purses. Um, you clearly have not sacrificed your marriage. Well, that, we know people that, that have that sacrificed the, their marriages. That and the lives that are saved. Yeah, but on a, from a personal perspective. I mean, you've, you've sacrificed, obviously, money and time. And, you know, there's other stuff that, you know, intangibles that we know about. You know, for example, I'm sure that furniture is a tough thing to, you know, have 17 <laughs> dogs around, you know. Uh, I mean, nice furniture is something that's probably going to go out the door, right? I have one that chewed the molding off the windows. So <laughs> we have um, one nice couch that's from our uh, days when we had just two little kitties, um, and we use those the plastic things that your office chairs sit on. If you mm -hmm. flip them upside down, they're spiky. Mm -hmm. So we have those across the couch because the dogs don't like it; and they won't stand on I've, it. I've right. done that before. It's the runner turned upside yeah. down. Yeah, you, exactly. You, um, so we have the one nice couch. Covered in plastic yeah. so nobody sits on it. Right, people right. people uh, don't really realize if you're not in the game, what it really means, okay, to have yeah. a, 
a pack of dogs that basically what's start really, running through the house. What's really yeah. unfortunate is that society has put the public in the position of having to the Make exceptional people of, of the public, the well, exceptional right. people well, such the, as Doctor yes, right. Harris, in the you know in, in the position of over sacrificing right. to make up for the shortcomings of, of the rest of us. Right. So thank you very much, Doctor Harris. You're I doing great work. Really, you're doing, really you're doing wonderful work. My heart goes out to you. And uh, that's every dog counts rescue, and there's a link to it on our radio hour page on the website. Oh, great! We're on Facebook too. If that's an easier way to reach us, great. Every dog counts rescue. We'll put we'll put a link to the and Facebook page as well. Isn't that true? Every dog really does count. And she's Absolutely. Really making an effort to make that true. Doctor Harris, we're going to let you go back to sleep now. Okay. No, After it's that. time to take care of the dogs. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be they're going to be awake any minute now. They, they sure are. Thanks and for joining us. Thank, thank you. Well, and we'll be right back. Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends? Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps. And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter. So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life. That's dogsindanger.com. Hi, this is Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush, hosts of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour right here on 77 WABC. Dogsindanger.com is a labor of love for us. We founded it over three years ago to save the lives of shelter dogs scheduled to die. Our efforts have helped save more than 50,000 dogs from death. Now we need your help to continue our work. We only do one fundraising event a year a walk in the park, and it's crucial to our efforts. It's going to be an amazing event with live music, free food, games, and celebrities all coming to Westchester's FDR Park on Sunday, May 15th. Yeah, our friend Shanna Wall from The Amazing Race is bringing a bunch of her reality star friends from The Bachelor, Survivor, and Flipper from The Sean Hannity Show right here on ABC is also coming. Please register to walk in person or walk virtually. It's so easy. Just go to walk.dogsindanger.com. You even get a free T-shirt because of you. Thousands more doggies will be living in happy homes instead of dead. That's walk.dogsindanger.com. Once again, it's walk.dogsindanger.com. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda. Wow. We're back on the air, and that's that was some discussion with Dr. Yeah. Uh, Harris. A lot of insight into why people are motivated to do this. Yeah, and she's quite an intelligent lady. I mean, she's a yeah. pediatrician, full-time pediatrician, and uh, has I don't feel I can call myself dogs. crazy dog lady anymore. No, you, you've just been demoted. But you call me that all the time, so uh, me and, just, me and all just, my friends. We so. just met the major leagues. Me and all my friends. Okay, so let's bring on Dr. Alan Beck. One of my favorite guests, he's professor and director of the Center for Human-Animal Bond at Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Bond. Dr. Beck. I'm Good sorry. Good morning. <laughs> James Bond. I don't James know Bond. <laughs> That's what plays, happens when you he, get up at 3.30, He only guys. plays that on TV. <laughs> <I am>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Dr. Beck was, uh, was begging me. He, was, he basically wrote me an email when I asked him to be a guest, and he said, you guys are heartless. It's Mother's, it's Day, Mother's Day, and you want me to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning to be on the radio. And I said, that's right. And he said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and there Because he it's is. all for the dogs. That's what he said. It's a good cause. So, so Dr. Beck, did you listen to the interview with uh, Dr. Harris a minute ago? No, I only got on about five minutes ago, so I only get to hear a little bit of it. I didn't realize I, I could have. I'm sorry. She is a, um, a fascinating person. She's a, I mean, in, in a nutshell, she's a pediatrician by profession. And um, a rescuer, and she has 17 dogs and one cat, her and her husband, no kids. 17 dogs and one well, cat. Well, six personal dogs and a whole lot of fosters. Right, six rotate. personal right. dogs and one cat. And she runs a rescue cat. group. Yeah. So, so seven animals that are her own, mm-hmm. and then another, what, another 10. So we're having this whole fascinating discussion about how does one get there? Um, and we have this, this discussion uh, at home all the time about the psychology of it and what motivates people and is it for themselves, is it for the animals, do they really do any good? And so, uh, What's your opinion of... Uh, all of those things. Uh, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. The, uh, the, no, there's been a, a lot of... What's the psychology uh, behind uh, you know, the women who get involved and are so compelled to, to help in this way? Okay. Uh, one, we... we for all people, at least, and then we'll start. We'll, we'll, we'll focus a little bit on on women. Uh, the theory now uh, is, is that our fascination with at least domesticating animals, and now with our pets, and this is uh, it's a cross. Co- 
cultural phenomena, so it's not just uh, so it, it is a human behavior. Uh, there's probably two things going on with, with people. One, to, to some degree, we are all born with a fascination for nature. This is the biophilia hypothesis. We're social animals ourselves. We seek out each other as the most important parts of, env- of our environment. Uh, we always look for nature. And, of course, companion animals are sort of a, a window on demand to, to nature. And, of course, being a social animal, we, are, we, we seek social support. We like people. And we have the ability uh, to project on to our companion animals some of the same attributes that we get from each other. So we talk to our animals, we, we play with them, we, we, want, we feel better in their company. So all of that is, is going on. It's not surprising that a, a social animal, whether it be ducks who are following its mother or we who are fascinated by each other and then other and then even allow other animals to be part of it, are fascinated by by nature. And adding to us especially, and it's been suggested that we see it more in in females, is a fascination with with triggers and appearances that sort of trigger the, the young. So our cute little dogs, which have larger eyes and, and smaller snouts and, and so on, that, that sort of cuteness response, sometimes called neoteny, because we, a lot of very young animals uh, just get bigger and bigger, and they hold on to those juvenile features, and that's true for our pets. So are you trying to say that it's just a desire to nurture the young, basically? It triggers our nurturing, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, and and not wanting them to die. Well, that's part of nurturing. Yeah. There's keeping that young young thing alive and and therefore wanting to protect it from from the world's you know traumas and and so on. So we're disproportionately attracted to things that trigger that nurturing, which is why we which is probably important for we social animals so we don't evolve eating our children. You know, mm-hmm. we we have that that nurturing response. And some have and we that. see this in other animals. I mean, we see it in other, you know, and in fact, it was Conrad Lorenz who pointed out that many, many young mammals and birds start out looking resem- more or less the same with very large heads, eyes, you know, big eyes, diminutive features, which seems to trigger a non-aggressive nurturing response in both other animals and ourselves. But can't one just have compassion for the helpless and the innocent without it being just a biological tr- function? I don't think it makes a difference, and I don't think we'll ever know the difference. Uh, there's nothing nothing sinister or uh, debasing to have a biological basis. Yes, you might want good food because you're biologically triggered to need food. That doesn't mean that, that you're not a, a thinking person who wants to eat the right food. And some people have this much stronger than others, right? That apparently seems to be the case. It, it seems to be what, you know, just where it fits in your particular head or, or perhaps what's going on else in, in your life. Uh, and, and we all, though many of us have that, that sense of nurturing, so it may not always be for rescuing, you know, 17 dogs at a time. It may be just a one dog or a person or to, to, to gardening. Uh, well, I, I think that the, the, the divide between the biological and the cerebral is pretty clear to me and, and the, the, the relative impacts of the two sides. I mean, look at women, which we know. Everybody in this movement knows that it's women that save the dogs. Primarily, it's, yeah. Oh, it's there, are there, there are some men. There are some men. There are some. But, yeah, there, are but, some. but it, there, there are some men. And, and listen, you and I are, are two of them. But, <laughs> but predominantly, it's women still that are doing, you know, and, and especially if you get into crazy uh, dog lady land, it's called crazy dog lady lady for a reason right i mean that's that's because the, historically the, 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 it has the, been primarily women that's e- exactly right. so so i think that uh, dr beck is absolutely correct that uh, the nurturing part is huge and you see the difference between the cerebral part and the nurturing part because men are not in this game there's no there's not that many crazy dog men well and 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 in all fairness your efforts to save animals are much more cerebral than they are you know Boots on the ground, crawl down in you know right. on but, the but, floor but with let's, the, the let's, fur. Let's say that we had a button here that eliminated all of the nurturing instincts on in all people. Okay, and we push that button. We would um, cease to exist as a society. Well, I think that uh, most of the rescue work out there. I think the number of animals being killed, uh, which is w- roughly four million now, would double in in a heartbeat. 
because the nurturing is much more powerful as an effective ground boots on the ground force mm-hmm. right. than the cerebral is. I think that you know Dr. Beck may be on the cerebral side of it, but I mean uh, you're talking about huge numbers of people uh, sacrificing their lives, like Dr. Harris did. Um, to save these animals. And I don't think the numbers are there on the cerebral side. I think the numbers are there well, on the... On the I, as I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, with sort of the roots of behavior. Of course, it, it's interpreted you know, differently. It was that nurturing desire that prompted, uh, you know, 16,000 years ago when we started living in villages, finding puppy uh, wolves and saving the ones, uh, nurturing and saving the ones that were the least aggressive for breeding, mm-hmm. that is the whole basis of, of domestication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, Boris Levitin, the great, may he rest in peace, the great psychologist who was one of the earliest people in pet uh, therapy, pet-oriented psychotherapy, felt that the domestication of the dog just for companionship was probably the initial cause, and only later do we think of reasons such as pulling things or domesticating other animals for food or milk. And he felt that it was actually our innate uh, need and appreciation of companionship that really motivated early people to to find the juveniles of animals and try to keep them alive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mean nurturing? Or is it companionship? I mean, two different things. Well, that nurturing is what, what got it interesting, and what, why we wanted these animals, because companionship is sort of the natural spillover. Of, of nurturing. Of nurturing. Mm, interesting. And really for, great for those who are just joining us, I just want to mention um, that we're talking to Dr. Alan Beck, who's professor and director for Center for the Human-Animal Bond at Purdue University School of Veterinary Medicine. So, Dr. Beck, where does the crazy dog lady stop and the hoarder begin? <laughs> you know, that's a very good point. Um, Hoarding is, is sort of uh, almost a, a cultural definition. I mean, yes, there are some legal ones. Like in, in New York City, when I used to work for the city, we used to say, you know, 10 or more animals. But the truth of the matter is, you know, it, you know like the difference between being eccentric and crazy is really income. Rich people are eccentric. Poor people are, are, are crazy. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but okay. hoarding, hoarding is not really defined by the number of animals, no, right? It's, it's having wait, wait, wait. It's having too many animals to care for them properly. That's exactly what I was I was about to say. That rather than a number, it's if you can do it right. I mean, if you're very wealthy and have you know kennels and, and assistance, that's not hoarding. Uh, Otherwise, shelters would be hoarding. Well, you know, it, it has actually been suggested, and not by me, but by uh, a leader in the uh, humane movement, that many hoarding operations got started, I mean, became shelters eventually, but that's part of the original motivation. Uh, but hoarding, as, you, as you're, you're absolutely right, it, it is a, uh, an excessive behavior that reaches a point where it's really not in the best interest of animals. But wait, wait, where is the crossover there? Everybody says, I mean, hoarding is against the law, first of all. So it's pretty bad, obviously, for it to be against the law. So here's a crazy dog lady. She can afford 17 dogs. Okay, she's a doctor. She can afford 17 dogs and 18 dogs and 19 dogs. And at some point, if she can no longer afford it, is what you're telling me, she suddenly becomes a hoarder. when the animals start to sacrifice. Exactly. Right now, I suspect those animals are much better off in her care than if they were not. If it reaches a point where they are really not, you're not helping the animal uh, population. You become a hoarder. I mean, and and, and arguably, hoarders can also be considered crazy dog ladies, but not all crazy dog ladies are hoarders. So Uh, if you're taking care of your animals properly, whether you have, you know, 10 or whether you have 35, seems to be the distinction between where it crosses over for hoarding. And that could be a different number for everyone. Of course. I mean, there are people who really can't handle even one or two animals well. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, actually- then, so that's an interesting definition. So if you have, you can have 100 dogs. As long as you have the money to support 100 dogs, kind of like Osama bin Laden and his many wives. Um, as long or as you, Michael you can Jackson af- and his menageries, yes. Exactly. Uh, so you, you're fine. You know, you're just a crazy dog lady. Well, Once you don't you have to be rich, to but you side, have to be raising the income in order to do it. So it has to be sustainable right. in some way for you to care properly for the animals. But if you don't have the money... To support all these dogs, now you're a hoarder. Right. When, when your motivation is just that psychological need, especially for younger animals, and you can't part them, then after a while your animal population itself is getting sick from itself as mm-hmm. well as destroying mm-hmm. the environment, uh, then you're a hoarder. So what are some common factors that bind these quote-unquote crazy dog ladies? 
Well, I think perhaps a common, and that even may be for hoarding, is a kind of obsessive-compulsive that that need uh, to have young animals and to have them around. Now, not all compulsive disorders are are bad for you. Uh, In the hoarding case, it would be if you have it, if you sort of manage it. It's not, but I think that's that's part of it. Uh, It becomes somewhat quasi-addictive in that you spend much of your time solving the problem as opposed mm-hmm. to you know going on with, with other aspects of your life. So those are probably two more, more common. And that's a compulsive addictive behavior is what you're saying. Right. Well, needing to feel that you're part of the solution. I mean, somehow as the only woman in this conversation, I feel the need to defend the crazy dog ladies of the world. Um, We're not attacking crazy dog ladies. <laughs> no, that happened. That happened in the car on the way down before the radio show. <laughs> well, we don't talk about things but like we, that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, but but I, I do think that um, you know the motivation for those that do become involved and see the the needless killing of so many animals that it goes it goes much deeper than that. And it's you know when you think you are the only resort for that animal's life, um, it. And, and you have this compassion for them, you may, maybe desire to nurture, maybe just compassion for the animals to not, you know, to see them fulfill their lives that they are entitled to have, then um, I think it's a different driving force. Dr. Beck, do they do any good in the big picture, in your opinion? Um, oh, obviously, the shelter movement and the rescue movement uh, has had it, its impact, The uh, uh, as well as a sort of... Uh, a cultural sophistication that maybe we should be more responsible in how how we treat our animals, how many who should have animals, and so on. So, in the long run, I think over the next over the last twenty years, we definitely saw the numbers of animals that end up in in shelter operations uh, going down. Uh, at the same time, animal ownership patterns seem to be about the same. So it looks like things are really they did good things. Uh, the animals. Population is staying the same. They are staying in people's homes. Uh, pets are staying in people's homes before relinquishment a little bit better. So things are getting a little bit better, yes. Yeah, so, so I mean, to decipher, in a sense, um, simplistically, I guess what you're saying is uh, people are adopting at about the same rates as they, as they always have. However, the number of animals killed has been reduced, so you attribute that to, quote-unquote, the crazy dog lady network. Well, no, I think that's a small part of the the. the population. What I'm saying is, in general, I think we're being re- more responsible owners. That's slightly, that has changed slightly, and that that's, you know, better. And so in general, you're saying that people have become more responsible owners. Okay. Yeah. So I asked Dr. Harris an interesting question. The last question I asked her was, um, does she not believe that if she has an intelligent, uh, wealthy, productive member of society, if she put her energies towards uh, trying to solve the systemic problem, becoming a part of a movement to solve the systemic issues rather than the one dog or the 17 dogs that she's going to be able to save, uh, she'd be doing, you know, greater good. And she kind of, you know, hummed and hedged about the issue and said, you're probably right, but I really like the hands-on. What do you think? You know, the truth, I mean, people have never thought about it, but I'm just, this is to get people thinking about it. If, if we were more accepting of having loose dogs, uh, almost like urban strays, which, uh, which are usually not a public health problem, we could actually just tolerate the dogs more, and that would, would, would cut down their, their loss, too. These are things that haven't even been thought about yet. Uh, I, I think as people are learning to accept the responsibility of animal ownership, it's, that's the, the thing to do. Because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the numbers of animals that are being killed. It's the number of animals being relinquished. Mm, yeah, clear. One leads to the other. Right. Yeah, right, right. Um, so your opinion is, the, is this, this crazy dog lady phenomena, which Brenda and I cross paths with all the time, is overall a, a good movement? I, I don't want to – I don't think – I think one of the mistakes that all of us in, in journalism are making, one calling it crazy, um, there are – People extremely dedicated to their to their hobbies, whether it be golf or photography or animals, and so we don't call them all crazy. So I don't know why animal people are. Well, uh, you know, I guess I guess the reason they they call them crazy is because it's the dramatic impact 
that it has on your life. I mean, if you're nuts about golf, it doesn't change the inside of your house and it doesn't change, you know, how you dress. Right. And, I mean, I think it's about you know, how society sees these people, how these people see themselves. And I the mean, it really changes you. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have nice furniture. You can't have a nice carpet, you know. Um, you can't go out. You can't go on vacation. I mean, it changes every fiber of your being is changed by 17 dogs. So, so to give up that much, one presumes you're a little nuts. That's, that's where the crazy is coming in. To give up that much for someone else, the presumption is made that, you know, for an animal especially, that well, you're crazy, a little nuts. Well, crazy, I mean, in a, not in a, you know, in a, in, a, in a literal sense, but in a figurative, yeah, yeah, in a proverbial figurative kind yeah. of sense of, wow, you know. Yeah. Not mental illness sense. And, and the other interesting thing that we found, I mean, this we found this, and we found it this morning, and we find it all the time, is that um, it seems to be predominantly childless women. W- w- tell us a little bit more about that. That yeah, we uh, actually one of the we did one of the early studies in the '80s when I worked for the New York Health Department on uh, on well, we, at that time we used to call them multiple owners, uh, and it was presum- predominantly. Uh, uh, Females, predominantly child. We had one or two couples, but yes, they're predominantly people who are living alone or living with a with a, a parent. They're usually alone, often triggered by an event in their lives that were uh, important, like the loss of their mother or, or some other trauma. And they started, uh, you know, n- nurturing as a sort of a focus of of, of dealing w- with the trauma, and then it just sort of got out of hand. Um, uh, while it is true that animals are often a replacement for either children or other people, uh, the more typical uh, pattern of animal ownership is actually often associated with with a marriage and children. So, dog and cat ownership is actually higher among married people than than unmarried people, and even much higher if there's at least one child in the family over six and under fourteen. So the usual pattern of animal ownership is is to be good for the family. It's an additional member of the family, not a substitute. Right, right. No, we're talking about when the numbers go really high. Right. Five, and 10, 15 dogs, we find that it becomes... And then that's where, and that may be one of the, the definitions, it's, it's where rather than being a member of the family or an additional family, it is the true family, only family. And maybe that's where one of the triggers of needing large numbers is that if you're trying to use an animal as uh, a, the full substitute for whatever the child family experience is, one doesn't do it because you always need younger ones. Right. Uh, you need uh, so that may be part of the the you know the the problem. Yep. yep. So for those where it really is a full substitute as opposed to being an additional member, you and it may, may just run be into trouble. maybe women that don't have children have more time and money to spend on animals. Well, that could be also. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dr. Beck, you're a great guest as usual. We I am sorry you back. to have messed up your Mother's Day, but you have permission now to go and call your mother and say thank you, Mom. Well, and I hope you enjoy the day, too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much again, uh, and we'll be right back with the rest of the show. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. And we realized there was no way for the public to know which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created DogsInDanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea, and more than 45,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger needs your help to keep saving lives. If you believe, like we do, that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to DogsInDanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 a month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to DogsInDanger.com and do something good for your soul. Gain a body, save a life. DogsInDanger.com One day, the world will be a better place for animals. Spaying and neutering will be the rule, and adoption will be everyone's first choice. Animals will no longer be destroyed because they're unwanted or imperfect. Shelters will have the knowledge and resources to rehabilitate special needs animals and find the right family for every pet. It may sound like a dream, but it's actually a mission. It's the mission of Best Friends Animal Society, and we hope that you'll join us. Visit bestfriends.org. Together, we can create a world with no more homeless pets. 
The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back on the air, and as the hour is ticking away here, we have got about four minutes left. I just want to say thank you to Joe Favino from Cornwall, New York, who just wrote us an email uh, talking about how we um, talked about oversacrificing for Dr. Harris and how she oversacrifices to compensate for the shortcomings of the rest of us. And he gives a very touching and heartfelt story about how he's living on rice and beans, and specifically so that he can save his money, even though he has no dogs and cats right now, how he's wor- living on nothing so that he can save every penny that he has to purchase land for a proper um, shelter that he wants to build in upstate New York. We're going to put his email up on our website, so if people want to read. Thank you, Joe. We appreciate it. Thanks for the compliment. We didn't mean it in any negative way at all. And Brenda, take it away, because you've got a doggy yes, for us. we do. Well, we have lots of dogs, but for the moment, we're going to talk about one. Uh, we always try to talk about at least one dog from the dogsindanger.com website, dogs all across the country that are in need of homes that are running out of time, all dogs on death row. Uh, and this one's been promoted by Sylvia at Mid- and in Midland Park, New Jersey. So thank you, Sylvia. And um, the dog's name is Scrappy. He's a Chihuahua mix, a male Chihuahua mix, Galveston County Animal Services in Texas City, Texas. Yes, these dogs are all over the country, thousands of them. And the shelter's description says, poor Scrappy had to be turned in by his owner who's no longer able to look after him. He's confused, and he doesn't know why he's here. He deserves a second chance at a happy home. He's a very cool little guy. This animal control facility has limited space, and time is critical. And this little dog only has two days left. So That is one cute dog. He's adorable. Where is, he? Where is the dog again? He's in Texas City, Texas. And you can go to the dogsindanger.com website, and you can search Texas. You will find Scrappy. And, and he's uh, a little guy. He's a chihuahua. Yeah, he's, he's a chihuahua. He's, he's adorable. He's, he's got cute. two days left to live. Yeah, he's very cute. Um, guys, you know that there's there's literally there's thirty thousand options. Of you out they there. can put him on a plane and have him to New York. So yeah, absolutely. Or or anywhere else around the country. Just go to dogsanddangers.com and click on Texas, and you'll you'll find Scrappy there, and go save Scrappy because Scrappy looks like an awesome awesome little friend. Yes, and I had one other that I want to match, uh, mention quickly, and that's Kip, a uh, young collie mix female at Columbiana, Columbiana County Dog Pound, Lisbon, Ohio. And um, he's two years old, about 45, t- 45 pounds. He was picked up as a stray and um, very friendly dog, they say, and he's running out of time, too. He has one day left. One day left. Can you yeah. believe this stuff? Oh, my God. Talk about ruining my... My mood on a Sunday yeah, morning. I'm I don't sorry. need to hear about one day left. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. We you know what? It's reality. We're just yeah. reporting what the news is, man. You know, if it's bad news, we still got to do our job, right? But you guys can make it good news by saving these dogs. We have uh, just about a minute to go. Uh, we're going to be signing off next week. It's the walkathon. We're going to be from FDR Park in Yorktown Heights. We're going to be live from FDR Park. And what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about why are dogs so important to us? And we're going to have a general round-robin discussion with lots of fun people. I think Shanna will be there. I will be on Channel 12 News, which is Westchester's number one news station and a sponsor, a proud sponsor of the Walkathon, on the daytime program on Thursday morning. At, uh, I think we'll be on from 9.30 to 10.30. Shanna Wall will be with me. We're going to be on live on Channel 12. Those of you that live in Westchester, please tune in. Daytime. Everybody knows the daytime show. Every single morning it's on. So we'll talk to you then. Um, see you at the Walkathon. See you at the Walkathon. Walk.dogsindanger.com for those of you that are interested. Thank you. This is Alex signing off. Happy Mother's Day. How